Coming to you from high atop our studios in the San Francisco Bay Area, you're listening to Tech Move. This is episode 38. In today's show, we continue with our ongoing coverage of NEB 2017 with NEB 2017 Part 2. We have interviews with representatives from DJI, Blackmagic Design, Bright Tangerine, Small HD, and Hoodman. I'm Rod Louie, and with me is Keith Moreau. Get ready. It's time for another exciting episode of Tech Move. Let's go! Well, hello everyone out there in Tech Move land. It is Rod Louie along with the great Keith Moreau. Keith, how are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Rod. That's fantastic. You know, Keith, this is another special episode because what it is is essentially part two of our continuing coverage of NAB 2017. Mm -hmm. We had so much material. Keith Moreau was beating down the doors of every manufacturer out there that was on the floor trying to beg them to give us like, you know, a couple of minutes of uh, of interview time. And, you know, his good looks uh, worked in such a way where we were able to get so many interviews, we have to stretch this out over a couple of episodes. So that's mm. what today is for. We're going to wrap up some of those other interviews that we have, and we're going to make this into an episode. Wow. What do you think about that, Keith? I mean, I like think it's uh, amazing, and it's a way to get more more episodes out. <laughs> right. More well, episodes well out. no, let's really think about it because if we were to lump them all together, it'd be like a six-hour episode, and we just we don't have that much stamina. So, thank you, and neither do our listeners. Right. I mean, they're pretty good, but. It's already bad enough when they're trying to download an episode and uh, and it takes them like minutes to be able to to, to download one because they're so, yeah. such long, big files. Yeah, and it takes down our servers and <laughs> takes down the internet. It just causes a disaster. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, Keith, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up today. We have uh, uh, we have a lot of different. Uh, uh, areas that, that we're going to uh, go with. We're going to mm -hmm. talk to people over at Bright Tangerine. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk to some folks over at Black Magic. Mm -hmm. We have some folks at DJI. And we have some folks over at Hoodman. Mm -hmm. I can't even remember how many other people we've got <laughs> going on. But, we, but that's just to name a few uh, of what we've got going on. Uh, this is on top of the stuff we just released a little while ago. So... <laughs> I mean, for Pete's sake, you know, this is nothing but star-studded type of interviews <laughs> right here on Tech Move. That's what I'm saying. So, uh, 
you know, Keith, you must be exhausted from having all the having to do all these interviews and and, and everything like that. But you know, I greatly appreciate, it, and so do the listeners. I know that it's not too bad. I'm recovering. <laughs> well, you know what's funny about that is that usually after NAB, uh, we also take our sights over to Cinegear. Isn't that correct? That is correct. So look for that, where even more interviews are coming up, ladies and gentlemen. And, and Keith, you're going to Cinegear, is that right? I'm going to Cinegear. <laughs> I'm going. You know what would be terrific? Why don't we interview the same people at NAB and Cinegear and see if anything changes within the weeks that transpire between the uh, two shows? Sure, why not? I think that would be fun. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Jimmy, uh, any new changes? Nope, not nope. since the last time I saw you about an hour and a half ago. <laughs> no, I think maybe we'll just do all all new people, new products, and new companies. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I think that that would be spectacular, but who knows? Who knows? Know? <laughs> who, who knows who will actually talk to us? <laughs> well, I am bringing your wallet photo, so... Uh, <laughs> That I helps. won't sign them unless, uh, uh, but only for a fee. So, uh, so we'll, we'll we'll just have to go with that. All right, that's terrific. So, Keith, uh, any uh, any first impressions, real quick, uh, to kind of lead us into some of these uh, into these interviews here. Anything you'd like to mention about NAB as a whole? How is it so far compared? to like maybe last year's you know actually this one this one could have been really boring but it wasn't uh and i think it wasn't because the depth of interviews that we we kind of got more detail from the people than than normally uh we would get it wasn't just all about products it was also about them you yeah. know some, some of the people like you know west phillips talked about his his um you know how he started with the doritos commercials he actually gave his backstory and we had a lot of fun with um, with the Hoodman guy, Bob Schmidt. And he, he's a he's a really funny guy, and so we kind of just went wild with him. Um, you know, some of the others we just there's some of the products maybe weren't all brand new, spanking new, and exciting and and amazing announcements like some of the years. But but we made it fun by just getting more more detail and more personal. I agree with that. I really do enjoy hearing about the background. Of a lot of uh, these, you know, these people who we, you know, either get to talk to for the first time ever, or we've talked to a couple of times before, and to get a little bit more personal, hear a little bit about their uh, uh, their history uh, in the business, which mm -hmm. uh, of course we always like to hear about. Mm -hmm. It's always very interesting. Mm -hmm. So, uh, okay, hey, let's do this. We are going to get ourselves ready. So, ladies and gentlemen, strap yourselves in <laughs> because we've got a laundry list of interviews to bring to you. And in the meantime, I'm going to scrub up and get ready for our first one. And we <laughs> will do that. Keith, I want you to get the uh, uh, the masks ready. Are we, because we're doing some be surgery good. here. We are going to do some <laughs> surgery. Here we go. A lot of editing, a lot of uh, a lot of punching in, a lot of this stuff. But it's going to be terrific anyway. So we're this is what we're going to call NAB 2017 Part Two, and we will bring you our first interview after we take this quick break right here on Tech Move. 
It is Tech Move on our NAB 2017 special. It is Rod Louis Keith Moreau, and we have another great interview that Keith has conducted while being uh, on the showroom floor. And uh, you met up with uh, the folks over at DJI, Keith, and uh, to talk about a exciting new product that they have. Yeah, actually, I was so I, I went to the DJI booth, and um, you know, I was I'm always interested in their new stuff. One of the main new things they had there at the at the uh, NAB show was the Ronin Two, which is an updated Ronin. So the original Ronin came out like two or three years ago, so it's not that new. Um, one of the things that's kind of cool about the original Ronin is that it was not that expensive for what you get. At that point, there was just um, a few other gimbals that were kind of, you know, pretty high-end gimbals and cost five to $8,000 or more. Um, the Ronin kind of dropped the price of all gimbals um, and, and not just the, the small ones, but the big ones too. Mm-hmm. And uh, created a pretty, pretty sturdy, stable uh, gimbal for larger cameras. It's not it's not the lightest uh gimbal out there nor the smallest it looks pretty it looks like a fairly big cage uh, yeah it's it's uh it's it's fairly large and it's meant for you know larger cameras like cinema cameras um right. anyway so uh the new version and you'll see it's not it's not any smaller it's probably a little bit bigger and it's probably a little bit heavier but it's it's a lot more heavy duty so um i think uh Probably Pedro, the the person that was working for DJI. Actually, one of the little side note: Pedro is the owner of Cinemild. He's actually a he's a cameraman, and uh, his his main forte is a Steadicam operator. Okay. So there's people in Hollywood that just that's all they do. That's like their profession. Right. And he and he's kind of inventive. He's kind of a DIY guy. So he said, you know, I can I can actually make these new gimbals work work better mm-hmm. um, than than they. Than, than they do now and so I think originally he just put some counterweights on on cameras to make them a little bit more back heavy because one of the things about the gimbals is they have kind of a limit to how far back you can push the camera right um, and when you have a super heavy like lens hanging off the front it just becomes too too front heavy even if the gimbal is powerful enough the motors are powerful enough to support the weight of the camera and lens combined just the center of gravity is too far forward and you just can't balance it, so it just gets thrown off a little front heavy, back heavy, whatever it is, right? You it can't. gets it gets really front heavy when you put a bigger lens on it. Yeah, um, you know, as it is, it's it's there's not a whole lot of room in the back anyway. Yeah. So one of the solutions was to extend the arms um, to make the arms from the from the back part to the the cage longer. But even sometimes then it was still not enough. So so I think what Pedro did was he put it he put a special plate on on the bottom of the camera. And then put counterweights on the back of that plate to basically make it heavier in the back, and then that would balance it out. And so he created this whole business kind of based on that. And and then he also um, created uh, created attachments to allow these gimbals to be mounted onto um, onto uh, Steadicam arms as well, mm-hmm. um, since he was a Steadicam operator. And then also mount mount the whole gimbal onto the actual Steadicam uh, sled too. So anyway, he's kind of got. You'll see he's just got this gigantic, uh, you know, Iron Man like setup here. Yeah. Um, and and he's going to show that off as well, and it's pretty darn cool. And the whole thing he was wearing was like sixty pounds or something. So you know you got to be kind of beefy, I think, to do this job. But um, 
but anyway, it was pretty cool. And he's a really nice guy. So I think you'll, well, you'll enjoy the interview. Y- you know, the uh, I, I, I think one of the big deals here is not only did, uh, did you get this interview, but we also encourage all of our listeners who are listening audio only to go on to our website and, uh, and go check out the, the YouTube links uh, for some of these videos where you can actually see it in action and see what uh, Keith is doing out there on the NAB floor, right? Yep. So, yep. so we want to make sure we uh, tell the folks that it is available on our website, which is techmovepodcast.com. I think you're Keith. There's probably going to be a link on our Facebook page and all that good stuff too, right? Oh yeah. If if they want to see the videos, there'll be links all over the place for people to to see them on YouTube. So no shortage of links anywhere to to, to <laughs> no. see us. Hopefully the links actually work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. Well, let's exactly. let's get to uh, the DJI uh, uh, interview with Pedro Guamares. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. And our very own Keith Moreau, where we talk about the DJI Ronin 2. And uh, Pedro is also the owner of Cinemild. And this is uh, Tech Move live on the NAB 2017 floor. Hi, this is Keith Moreau here for Tech Move. We're here at the DJI booth. We've got, we've got Pedro here from uh, DJI and also he's representing his own company Cinemilt. He makes a lot of great products that go along with some of the DJI gimbals. How's it going here, Pedro? Oh, it's going great. We got the brand new DJI Ronin 2, so it's really exciting. Tell us a little bit about this new product. Yeah, so there's, you know, lots of really great new features with the Ronin 2, the R2 as some people are calling it. Um, It's a pretty big leap from the previous generation. You know, it's been three years since the original Ronin came out. That's, it's amazing it's been three years. And that's why there's such a big leap in technology. Uh, there's so many new features that they built into this Ronin 2 that it's, you know, it's kind of a must have. I mean, when, I, you know, when they finally showed it to me, I was so excited. You know, uh, a lot of it has to do with sort of like what I would deem small details, but it's, you know, I'm a, I'm a stickler for details because they make big differences, you know, on set, you know, when you're actually working. So, yeah, I mean, you know, they got mechanical locks now on all the axes, so it helps. You can lock two axes, balance the third, lock that one off, balance the next one. So it's not flopping around as you're trying to trying to fine tune one axis. So that basically lets you balance faster, right? Um, you got a slip ring here, so you got HDSDI and power in and out. Uh, right on the top on the other side of the motor so you can spin around and there's no cables to tangle um, it's all integrated the cables inside of it are thicker gauge so you can power you know power hungry cameras not unlike the red but other ones also uh, and a lot of accessories without overheating the cables because the cables are thicker so it's a lot of sort of details like that throughout the design you know uh, they're using limo connectors you know and it's just carbon fiber, you know, monocoque carbon fiber build, you know, so it's a lightweight exoskeleton, but, you know, they added things like these uh, micro adjusters for each of the axes that really, again, helps you speed up the balancing process. Um, so the weight sort of gets offset. So it's carbon fiber. It is, I think, somewhere around a pound heavier than the first Ronin, which was all aluminum. Um, and fairly, you know, heavy. I think it's like nine pounds. Now, this one's 9.4. 
think the Ronin one was like eight something. Um, but you know, as you might see here throughout the booth, it's kind of rare on a gimbal this size that you're going to just hold it. The whole point of, you know, things like it has a telescoping sidearm right here, the horizon arm. So you can fit really big cameras. So big master prime lenses, you know, longer, maybe an F 55 or something like that. So the whole point of that is that it's the whole thing is going to end up heavy. So three pounds here, four pounds there, of course it all matters, but what are you, what's the trade-off for it is functionality, you know, things like this, the worm gear drive on the adjustment, you know, for the axis. They did some pretty new innovative stuff with what I'm showing off here, which is the sort of 360 Steadicam mode that, you know, I put the bug in their ear way back when, like, you know, if we could only lock out the pan motor, but leave the other two active, that would really open up a lot of possibilities, especially on a Steadicam. But I mean, even for handheld, you know, the biggest challenge for a gimbal is being able to whip pan. They don't whip pan because they just move too slow. So if you lock out the pan motor, you can whip pan now really fast. So maybe for like a fight scene or something, it's kind of a hybrid between handheld and smooth, you know, so that's a cool option. So the other option is, of course, on the Steadicam. So what they did here is as soon as you lock the pan motor, it goes into like a two axis mode. And essentially now on Steadicam, it gives you direct control. So there's no lag because the pan's locked out. So for people that are using the gimbal on the Steadicam, it makes a huge difference. The other thing they did is I'll just show you the roll motor now allows you to roll the gimbal about 390 degrees in either direction, which is, you know, more than a novelty <laughs> for Steadicam, especially it's really important. You know, as you can see here, you can transition well, watch out from a, a low to high position. And once again, it's a direct connection. And we made an attachment so that you can attach the new Ronin to, you know, we're, we make a lot of uh, universal mount plates for the Movi, for all, of course, all the DJI product line, even for the Tilt-to-Gravity gimbal. And so, of course, we made our universal mount for the R2. So that's what we're showing off here. And then we also made this sort of swiveling monitor mount, which is how the monitor stays level um, as you rotate the new gimbal. So, is this a DJI product? The monitor mount is something that Cinemild makes, which is me basically, and um, so it provides an inexpensive way for you to use this sort of rotating, you know, mode. And so it rotates on the horizontal axis, like I just did. But the other thing it does, much like the Airy Trinity, which some people might be familiar from last year's NAB, um, it actually goes forward also. So uh, I just have to enable that mode here. Let's see. It's got a little LCD display in the back. So it's LCD. It's actually a touch screen, um, although it's not enabled at the moment. Um, and if I turn that off. So is this like the, 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 the only uh, Ronin 2 at the show? Um, the only Ronin 2 at the show? No, they got a bunch here at the booth. You walk around and actually you'll see the Ronin 2 um, 
mounted in, uh, let me just, let me, uh, okay, that's on. So we're actually reprogramming this in the field. This is an amazing uh, accomplishment, Pedro. So anyways, um, what you'll see when you walk around is you'll see it mounted to like an RC car. You'll see it mounted to a suspension arm on a vehicle. Because the whole thing is, you can see here the size of this motor. It's really big. <laughs> you know, and the pan motor has always been the weak point in all the gimbals. It's the motor that's most important. And traditionally, all the gimbals have put the same motor on all three axes. And that's really kind of a not the right thinking because the pan motor works more than the other ones do. Uh, especially like if you're in a car, the wind pushes against the side of the camera like a sail. And so it's the pan motor that needs to have the power to resist being pushed back by the wind. So this has an extremely big and extremely powerful motor. Uh, I have personally taken this up to 80 miles an hour and it's held with, you know, a red camera and a, you know, uh, not with something small. So um, if, you know, I'm not usually holding a gimbal, like I said in the beginning, it's usually mounted to something. It's essentially being used as a remote head. Um, and that's really where I live as a gimbal operator and, and camera operator. So the features that the new, you know, R2 offer, you know, in conjunction with a few little bits and pieces that we're making, uh, really sort of, for me, changed the game. You know, it is, it, this is a definite step forward, I think. So what's the price on this? Well, they haven't released an official price. The sort of the rumors that I hear is that it's going to be less than the Movi Pro. And so the Movi Pro is 6,500. Um, so if I had to guess, I don't know, maybe around five. So a little bit more than the first Ronin, which was three and a half. Um, certainly, but it's much more, you know, there's much more product here. But I don't know, DJI might have a surprise for us. Uh, at a NAB three years ago, they said it was going to be 5,000. And then two months later, they shipped it for three and a half. So who knows what kind of surprises they got. Um, I hope they do that again. <laughs> I think everybody, everybody out there also. Um, and as far as timeline, I think it's probably maybe two months away is what I heard. You know, there's a few things that they might change and they got to, you know, tweak, keep tweaking the software like everybody does till the last minute. But, uh, you know, it's definitely already working and we've shot, you know, a few projects with it. And uh, if you go on YouTube and search for um, Legacy, just put DJI Ronin Legacy. And that's a short film that uh, Claudio Miranda was a DP. Uh, I operated on it alongside uh, Dave Emmerichs, which is a very uh, well-known camera operator also. And uh, our friend Patrick also was the third camera operator. We did a lot of handoffs in that, uh, in that short film. And there's a great behind the scenes, of course, you know, traditional thing that DJI always does when they release a product, but it's a, it's a cool little piece and shows that you can still pass, as big as this is, you can still pass it through a window, So, which we did. That's really awesome. The, uh, the, the thing that's unique about this one and improvement is that 360 rotation, because it, yeah. it used to just rotate the whole camera upside down, right? Yeah, so essentially it lets you go from like your shoe and whoops, and then maybe up to your face in like one smooth move. And it, maybe if you're walking, especially, cause then you have the, the steady cam arm, you know? And, you know, it allows you to go 
essentially from the floor, which is where we are right there, all the way up, because it's mounted at the end of a Steadicam post, you know, really high, I don't know, about 10 feet. So you can do jib moves, for example, you know, and by exploring some of the weird camera positions you can get this in, um, I think you'll find that it opens up some new, new shot possibilities. It's definitely not an easy tool to, to use in the Steadicam mode. I mean, a gimbal's a gimbal. People have been using them now for a few years. But in the Steadicam mode, it takes some practice. Um, and, um, but it definitely opens up some possibilities. That's pretty amazing. Are you, are you actually, Ronick, are you getting all of his moves? Or are you, are you close enough or far, far enough away to... You could keep recording, it's okay. Um, do you feel like, can you repeat a couple of those moves so we can put a little... Just to, just to show some of the low to high, low to high stuff. Are you recording now? Okay. So this would be like, and you could get the person's foot. Yeah. That's pretty darn amazing. It's just infinite because of the slip ring? No. At about 380 degrees, somewhere around there. But, you know, it's to either side. So, I mean, I don't know of a reason why you'd want to keep going <laughs> like a circus wheel, but um, you could up to a certain point, you know. But normally you just want to go from a low position to a high position. So 180 would be enough in most cases. But um, you have 390, 380 degrees. So that is plenty to, to actually go up and then come down, for example, in, a, in the opposite direction. So, so um, this looks like an incredibly heavy rig so you're either you either have superhuman strength or maybe a combination of that plus a lot of skill or maybe this isn't really as heavy as it looks so how heavy is it um you know if i had to guess the whole thing together maybe 40 you know so i mean as a professional steadicam operator we're sort of used to a lot of weight um i mean you take an f65 with a big uh, Cook anamorphic lens on it, and you put a three-stage matte box, you put batteries on there, you put a video transmitter, you put uh, Comtex, maybe now you're also putting a, a video transmitter as well. Once you're all said and done, you're actually heavier than this. So, uh, especially if you're using like an Alexa Studio or something, you know, so we're used to the weights getting up there. Um, and the, Steadicam arm invest does a does a really good job at distributing that load throughout your body into your legs So it's not as bad as it looks, but certainly um, It's not for everybody <laughs> So Pedro, um, I actually met Pedro um, a Long time ago. We've been communicating through emails through the years Pedro actually has has his own company Cinemild, which is all over the place. You can see it here um, and he actually there was a need in the market for uh, counterbalancing, putting extra rate to the back of the camera. Right. Um, and so he actually made these special custom plates that fit into Ronin's and other gimbals. So tell me a little bit about your business and some of the products you offer. Yeah, well, so Cinemil, we, we've been around for about three years now. And like you said, um, it, ar it arose essentially from my using the, pro the you know, different gimbals um, 
on actual jobs and having think, saying to myself, wow, if I could only do this, that would be great. And then because of my background, and I was able to, you know, act on that impulse and came out with my first product, which was, you know, a universal mount for the first Ronin. And that slowly grew into more and more sort of smart, simple solutions, I would say, for, for, the, for the gimbal market. We do make a few things. We make a few little drone products um, here and there, and we want to make other things also. Uh, so it's cinema-milled, so eventually it could be anything that's cinema-related. Um, but uh, for now, our focus is definitely the gimbal market. You know, we have a full line of, of Movi products, a full line of Ronin products, uh, DJI, and uh, the Tilta Gravity gimbal now is also a new one we were making products for. And um, yeah, so I mean, we got, a, we got a good amount of solutions now that we're starting to be able to bring them all together. You know, so we, we partnered with ReadyRig in the sense of I really like that solution. It's my favorite solution for gimbal support. And I've developed some products around it. So we now make a bunch of products now, accessories for the ready rig. And so when you combine our stuff with his product, it opens up even more possibilities. So, you know, it's a good deal. Yeah. And it's growing and, you know, we got, we got some, some things we're working on that we hope to be able to release soon that, uh, will will be more than just a simple smart solution will be sort of bigger products so we're trying to grow into new areas <laughs> well that's great pedro so thanks so much for the the interviews a lot of great information probably found out more about this than than uh we would otherwise so really appreciate it no problem it's been a pleasure <laughs> so this is keith moreau signing off for tech move So that is Pedro from uh, DJI and uh, Cinemild and another fantastic product uh, discussion yep. about the Ronin 2. Uh, Keith, mm -hmm. uh, thoughts about the Ronin 2? Thoughts about the Ronin 2? Well, I think that it is definitely a professional product. And it's, it's big. It, it, it looks like legit. That looks like your C100, C700 type of thing. Yeah, it's it's well. You could probably put you know any camera that you wanted on it, right. but um, it's definitely for the professional ones where they're maybe putting a small like a Alexa Mini on there or yeah. I don't know if you could fit a C seven hundred. I guess you could, um, but definitely larger. But larger cameras. One of the things that its claim to fame was just stronger motors. Um, so one of the thing that things that Pedro mentioned. Oh, by the way, I just have to as an aside. So. It's not on the channel and it's not in the recording, but <laughs> a lot of times I will forget the person's name or I'll, I'll, I'll misspeak their name and I'll have to just start the interview over. And it actually happened with, with, uh, with Pedro. I actually called him Pablo and <laughs> said, so we have, we have Pablo here from DJ and then he, and he like starts seeing his, it's actually Pedro. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> But now, but I was thinking about it. I know why I called him Pablo because I had just watched this amazing um, series on Netflix um, called Narcos, and the main character is Pablo Escobar, yes. really famous criminal. Yes. So he, I think that was in my mind. So there's an there's a reason for that. It's not just but, random. Well, you know, <laughs> you know what, Keith? It's a good reason, I'll, and I'll accept it in a court of law. But uh, 
you know that that, that that's that's terrific. Good good job, uh, Dan Rather. So uh, okay, so uh, more about the Ronin two. Okay, yeah. So one of the things about it is it's got an extremely strong pan motor, and so one of the things about just gimbals in general is that, um, and and just one of the weak points in gimbals is the pan motor. That's the one that goes from you know like panning from left to right, right to left. Yep. Um, it's got to it's got to basically do the most work out of all the different um because because that's the th- that's the one that's probably going to go to the fastest and it's going to have to move stuff around especially with with a uh, a lot of a lot of uh weight on the on the front or the back yeah so it's going to have to be really powerful so that that one is um that that's kind of this this uh claim to fame for this particular um for this particular gimbal it's just got a super strong pan motor and it's got a few other kind of cool things like a little lcd and some other stuff that he showed us in the in the interview, um, you can also for the people that do have it on the uh, an actual Steadicam, you can I guess lock lock off the the pan motor, mm-hmm. and because what will happen is if you have it on a Steadicam, um, as you turn the Steadicam, because one of the things about the Steadicam is you can actually pan the Steadicam itself. Okay. And the the, the Steadicam operators use their fingers in a very delicate way to make very subtle movements to move stuff left and right panning. And when you have a gimbal that's also trying to pan, <laughs> uh, kind of counteracting what you're doing because it wants to make it steadier, then it just messes everything up. So um, because it, you'll you'll be panning on the steady cam, and then the gimbal will say, oh, "I'm just going to kind of slow this down to make it <laughs> to make it steadier." Right. And then you just and then just it's kind of like a lag, like latency. Sure. So he was talking about that. So you can so you can there's a setting to lock that off. So it'll still the do the uh, the tilting and the and the rotation. Uh, steady, staying. Well, actually, not the rotation, but the 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 tilting rotation. Um, but it it won't it won't actually do anything with the pan. It'll be locked off. It'll be like keeping the camera just stable in that position. So anyway, that's it's a pretty cool product. I don't think it's even yet for sale. But let me see. I'm just gonna see if it's even available. I thought it was. They seem to be promoting pretty pretty heavy on the, on um, the DJI site. They do, but you know what? It's it's actually not available. Oh, yet. not not yet. No. Not yet. It, I mean, NAB wasn't that long ago, and I think they were going to c- come out in a couple months. And okay. it's not even priced. Okay. I think they're looking at the market, um, but um, I'm looking at one of the websites, and it's got the price for the shipping. Mm-hmm. Twelve seventy. Twelve seven. I think it's a mistake, but it says twelve seventy six for the shipping, but no price on the actual camera. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> right. they're, 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 well, you know, you can tell that by weight. So that's so you know, so that's weight and size. So that's that, that's probably relatively accurate. They just don't know oh. what they want to charge for the thing yet. Speaking of weight, yes. Um, it's it's about it's basically totally stripped down. It's it's about 10 pounds, 9 to 10 pounds. Just the unit is the, the Ronin 2 alone with yeah. nothing on it. Yeah. So it's, it's already 10. heavier than than most of the camcorders we'd use. And then uh and then with the big handlebar thing that it comes with. Yep. Uh, it, it comes with kind of like a big wheel type type handle. Right. Not not the typical traditional like two-handled things. It's more like a steering wheel. Yes. Um th- with that I think that's another 3 pounds. So that's if you want to handhold it. Right. So if you're, you know, if you're doing, you know, want to do some weightlifting and you want so to So it'll hold do, it, it, it'll be a fantastic uh shoulder uh exercise for you. Terrific yeah. shoulder exercise. And yeah, in fact, it's going to be featured in 24-hour fitness right. special room, the D- right. DGI bicep room. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Fantastic. Good. 
Anyways. All right. Well, that that is uh, now I'm going to try and, and see it again. Pedro Guamares yes. uh, of DJI and Cinemild. Uh, thank you very much, Pedro, for that. We're sorry we butchered your name uh, during the actual interview. Uh, we hope you'll forgive us, but terrific product. And uh, Keith, thank you very much. My pleasure. Uh, let's, uh, let's do this. Let's uh, reset and get our next interview uh, on cue, and we will deliver you more of this fun stuff at NAB 2017 right here on TechMove. All right, tech move on the floor of NAB 2017, and we have the great pleasure of bringing in uh, the folks of Black Magic Design. Mm-hmm. And uh, Keith, you were uh, lucky enough to get Bob Canilia yep. uh, on the floor and talk about the Black Magic stuff and some of the new things that they've got going. Yep. Would you? Yeah. Uh, would, would what was the big announcement for them, if anything? Uh, you know, actually, the big announcement was Resolve 14. That okay. was the huge thing that they they announced this year. Okay. Um, Resolve is the color. Uh, actually, it's DaVinci Resolve is the full name. Um, DaVinci Resolve 14. It's the color correction, color grading software that they they bought that used to be like a hundred thousand dollars. Oh wow! And they bought it, and and this was you know, several years ago. They bought it and then basically made it free. Um, they included. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. <laughs> well, they they include it with with their any kind of any kind of camera. If you buy any camera from them, they will include DaVinci Resolve with it. Um, so, and if you had to buy it on your own, it used to be like six hundred to a thousand dollars at the Resolve Studio. Um, but you can get a free version, which is almost the same thing for free, basically by just downloading it. Mm. So, <clears throat> and. Uh, in fact, when I got my, you know, because I got a, a Blackmagic Ursa a mini original 4K used, and it actually came with this dongle. So it's like a little USB dongle, and it allows you to use the Resolve Studio, which has more feature, a few more features maybe, um, and it allows you to use this dongle to activate it. Um, so that's kind of how they, that's how they, how you pay for it. You pay for the dongle, and then you can use the higher performing version of the software. Um, but that was the big announcement there. But we didn't talk about that at all. I was interested in the Ursa Mini uh, Pro. Uh, it's it's the kind of the version of the Mini that has uh, built-in ND filters. That's that's its claim to fame. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, other than that, and it has it has a few more buttons on the outside. It's got more acce- more accessible. Um, before, like with my version of the Ursa Mini, you have to open up the to do pretty much anything, you have to open up this gigantic five-inch LCD panel and do stuff, and then flip it back when you don't want it. Um, this one has a lot more controls on the outside, so that part's good. It's a little bit, a little bit more easy to use in that way. And then, and then they have this kind of monitor thing that goes on top, which is a really nice uh, kind of studio monitor. So, uh, I actually had Bob like remove the uh, the hood on it uh, before we recorded because uh, it was kind of in the way you couldn't see anything. <laughs> sure. So uh, sure. He, spent, he spent like a few minutes removing that, and I was joking him about, um, you know, disassembling his camera in, <laughs> in front of us. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, he's a good sport, so yeah. th- th- that's true. Let's uh, let's roll the interview. This mm-hmm. is uh, Bob Canilia mm-hmm. of Black Magic and our very own Keith Moreau of Tech Move right here on the floor of NAB 2017. 
So we're here with Bob Cornelia of Blackmagic Design. He's going to actually show us uh, one of the newer uh, cinema cameras from Blackmagic. And uh, Bob, go for it. All right. So this is the Ursa Mini Pro. So what we did with the Ursa Mini Pro is released it about a month ago. And uh, it has a lot of tactile uh, features on the outside for adjusting. Uh, in the past, it was only done from the flip-out screen. So now we can adjust things here. But one of the secrets that we had in there was Bluetooth connectivity. So now I have an app that we're going to release later this summer that uh, will have full control. So like right now, I'm going to take control of the iris. So if we look up at the screen, I can I am taking full control of the iris and I can do the white balance. So I have full control here. I could start recording. I could monitor what's going on. And um, and then I can also do slate. So I can say, oh, good take. And I can enter in metadata. So we're going to release an app that has a certain amount of functionality, but we're also going to release the API so that people can create their own apps because maybe somebody wants exactly this but does not want to have control over record, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, this software update will be free of charge. The Bluetooth technology is already included inside the Ursa Mini Pros already, and we'll turn those on with software later this summer. That's great. So uh, can we go back to the previous screen here? So it controls other... Are there, are there any other lens-specific controls on this? So, well, lens-wise, we, you know, we have the iris and, um, oops, uh, I don't have it. I have the um, white balance things, uh, but, you know, at some point we could, you know, if we could control other things. Like, I have the shutter angle, but we could do autofocus and things. There, is, there, is there a focus control possibility? Uh, the possibility is there. And uh, you know what the final app from us looks like, we're not really sure, but also the fact that people can create an app that could do all that. So the API may have a focus ability. Well, it will because it, it, it's um, similar to what you can do through, say, the length control. Uh, that capability is all the same capability you can do with the, with the Bluetooth. That's excellent. OK, so this has been out about a month. I'm, I've always been excited about the Ursa Mini Pro, or actually the Ursa Mini when it first came out. And, and uh, a couple things I that helped me off from getting it was the, the lack of the uh, built-in ND. But now this has this. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, we have ND filters uh, right on the front. Um, and it's a physical wheel. So actually, if I spin it, you can see you know, it slide around uh, back to zero there, um, maybe. Yeah, one. So um, yeah, so it's uh, basically clear, two stops, four stops, and six stops. Uh, and you know, that, that obviously is new, but then the ability to have uh, control of the iris on the outside uh, and you can switch around some of the buttons and knobs, you can take care of ISO and, uh, and the shutter and move white balance. Uh, we actually have some programmable buttons, uh, high frame rate, um, and then monitoring things even with the door closed. The on-off button, which we didn't have before on the outside, which is great. So if you have underwater housing type things, you know, that'll be there. And also another add-on that we're showing at the show, we haven't announced uh, a release date yet, but uh, is the SD uh, add-on. So you can do SD recording data. So we're going to have uh, the SSD rather, sorry, SSDs so with uh, full data. So you'll be able to do raw recording. Um, we're not 100% sure on the frame rate yet, but uh, we, this will do data um, recording for raw uh, as an add-on. So as you see, it gets added on, and then you put the battery on the back of that. How does it actually attach? Uh, it, yeah, it screws on to, similar to the way that you screw a battery plate on, it has uh, an attachment on the, on, the, on the back of the back plane of the uh, camera. 
um, and then in, then it would have a molex to go through in order to get to uh, put your, your your plate back here. And one other thing that we're showing on the show floor is uh, this is a, an EF mount. You can get a PL mount and a B4 mount, and now we have an Icon mount. So there's an Icon mount option that will be released later this year as well. So uh, the Nikon mount and the SSD add-on are something that's new to, at the show, uh, something that Grant had hinted about in the in the release, but uh, we're here now and we'll have them you know, down the road in a couple months. Oh, that looks great. That looks uh, like a really uh, modular design, the fact that you could just add this part on and move the battery back. Yeah. That's pretty clever. And then there's a little... That's the door. Yeah. And, the, and the good thing is with SSDs, sometimes the smaller ones need to have that little... Um, uh, adapter on top, uh, but you don't need it with this because there's a spring that pushes the SSD into the proper place to, no matter what width it is. That's excellent. Uh, speaking of storage on this unit, I know that it takes SDHC cards as well as CFast? CFast too, yeah. So what what uh, can you actually record to the SD cards? So SD cards are, are for, um, you know, clearly HD. Uh, some lower frame rate 4K can be done. Uh, but raw, you know, you need a little bit beefier storage to do raw. But uh, there are, uh, you know, some of the, we have a list on the site of, of the cards that we support, as well as what frame rates and, and, and different size files. But, you know, a lot of ENG type recording, they're not necessarily doing anything really large, you know, not raw for sure. And maybe some compressed ProRes files in HD or, or 4K that, you know, SD would, cards would, would handle it. So if I was recording 24p at uh, ProRes HQ quality, would that work? Uh, in 4K, uh, maybe. I'm not. I don't know that I have the 100% on that HD for sure. Okay, we'll look that up. Yeah, I, I, actually, you probably could because um, we can do that in the uh, that uh, in the um, video assist. So it would be the same technology. Okay, great. That that's a really economical alternative to the CFast cards. Um, one of the things I was kind of curious about was autofocus on this particular unit. Autofocus on, on this one? Um, so I don't know if the lens handles it or not, but if it does, then we can get... Yeah, we have an autofocus lens. I do have an autofocus lens, all right. So um, let's get to the menu and see what we can do with that. Uh, there it is. I have a focus button, so yeah. This is the, so if I if I bring up our focus, it's gonna let me get on something else. It brings up the the area, and yeah, and then and it goes through and, and did a focus on that. So you basically go and you have to push, and then it autofocuses. Yeah, there's a there's an autofocus button. And if I hit it, it brings up the square that it's going to actually change, and then it... I can see it focusing. So is there a way to make it continuous? You don't have to push the button? Uh, no, that's, not a, that's um, not a feature of the... Usually not a feature of the lenses, and it would have to be too constant to be able to do that. So, uh, yeah, for constant focus, you need a parfocal lens uh, for that kind of thing, yeah. Um, so this button that you are pushing, or... Is, can that be reassignable to one of the outside yeah, buttons? So we could, we could, you can uh, do it in the setup. It's actually out here too, so um, it's on. It's the same focus button on the outside, but you could also, if you needed to assign it, if it was, you know, in a better place for you, you could move it to one of the function buttons. 
That's great. So how, how is this unit doing out, out in the field? Oh, well, uh, so far, great. Um, we have, uh, we've shipped a large number of them. We still have more to build, uh, which is always a good problem and bad at the same time. And um, we see a number of them at the show, which has been really kind of cool. Um, when I go to do an interview, I'm like, hey, that's one of the new cameras. That's nice. You know, I mean, that, that, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, but everywhere, everyone has been really uh, happy with it. I have a lot of DPs that have come up to me and go, oh, this is really, you know, it's everything I had hoped for and more, and, and amazing that you guys were able to, to, to do this. And, uh, and then I said, oh, well, did you see the Bluetooth app? And they're like, ah, oh, now you're really blowing my mind. And I think that's always exciting as a company to, you want to build products that solve problems and, and help people with workflow. And then if you can meet and exceed the expectation, then that's, uh, that's definitely what you were really hoping for. And so that's worked. That's great. So I noticed we have this extra monitor thing on top. Well, Tell me about that. This is a studio viewfinder that we have. So when you're using it in a studio configuration, you can do that. And the beauty of the studio, uh, this is much more traditional to what, what the studio camera guys are looking for. You know, they wanted physical knobs so they can adjust rather than set up, you know, a touchscreen. Uh, you know, we, it has a great tally light system built in, you know, that comes when you return video to the Ursa Minis. Uh, and the Ursa Mini um, Pros. And um, so it also has a quick release plate, so you can actually pop this off pretty quickly. So if you had in, uh, traditional EVF attached, you can still have this at the same time. And then if you want to move it from a studio config to go out and go out and shoot ENG, say, you can just use the quick release to pop this off. So it's, uh, it's really uh, a great industrial design that we uh, announced last year and started shipping by the end of uh, 2016, and it's done very well. Um, you can actually, uh, you know, we, we, we include a set of numbers, and, uh, but you can turn on or off the, the, the intensity, you can, you know, of, of the tally, and then also it has tally here for the operator, and you can have them independent, because there are certain, certain shows that don't want to have tally because it makes you know, audience members or wherever look at things, so this way they can either have it on or off. So it's pretty, pretty good, cool um, uh, functionality. But yeah, we need to add some numbers to our iPad here. Little glowing numbers. <laughs> what do you think? That's right. <laughs> iPad number two. We'll look that way. So yeah, you can. Um, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those uh, hardware-based sort of viewfinders that have the tactical controls that traditional guys uh, really uh, wanted and um, and have been very happy with it. And I noticed this is a mounted on top of what was previously the a cinema camera, not a production camera. So what's the story about that? Well, th this camera is, is a hybrid camera to be able to do both. Because we do have return video feed into it, we can control it through our ATEM software to actually shade the cameras remotely. So it, we can turn it into a traditional television uh, camera by doing that. And it actually has, um, the, on the headphone jack, it can have intercom uh, so you can actually talk back to the director through the headphone jack when you have, you know, like a, either um, your iPhone, your iPhone headset, or you know maybe a gaming headset, that kind of thing. Just plug it in, and now now you're talking, and using it in a traditional television uh, camera. So it's kind of a hybrid. So is this replacing the? 4K production camera, the other Ursa, the larger Ursa? Um, not necessarily. I mean, they all kind of have bits. Uh, you know, that's one of the things we don't usually, the reason why this is built is much more for more ENG and on the shoulder, uh, you know, where guys were shooting and needed to, to adjust things. You know, if you're shooting a cinema type environment, 
the touchscreen you would just use, and that's, you know, you don't really need buttons and knobs, but uh, so this one kind of morphs into that. And the return video that we had included in the original Ursa Minis allow us to turn this also into a great television camera and basically you do it whatever you want. And then of course you have interchangeable mounts. So now it's really, you know, you could put on a, a, a B4 mount and use a traditional television lens and then take that mount off and put on a PL mount and go out and shoot a movie. So it really is very flexible for a $6,000 camera. It's pretty, pretty darn amazing. Well, thanks so much, Bob, for all the great information. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, and have a great show. Keith Moreau signing off for TechMove. Bob Canilla uh, from Blackmagic about the uh, Ursa Mini Pro. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it looks good. I mean, you know, the video, again, folks, we want to encourage you to go to techmovepodcast.com. Watch the uh, get the links to the YouTube videos that Keith is posting up there, and you can see what the camera looks like. And uh, you know, it, it, it's a beautiful camera. Your thoughts, Keith? It's well, I'm not sure if it's a beautiful camera. Really? Because uh -huh. now, now that I have one kind of pretty much the same shape and size and everything, the only thing that's different with mine is mine doesn't have an LCD on that. On that, see, do you see in the picture? Yeah. Um, there's that kind of LCD on the outside of the LCD panel. Sure. That's kind of like the only thing that's different. And okay. so I kind of, I feel like Blackmagic took their design cues from like me medieval weapons. <laughs> <laughs> and Well, I do have to admit, it does kind of look like a ray gun. Well, it, well, if, when you actually hold one, and I'll have to bring one to you and just show you how kind of massive this thing is. Because, you know, actually after like using it a little bit and moving around, it's pretty pretty big okay pretty big compared to my other cameras it's, sure. it's fine but it's it's very it's it's very it feels like a tank it's it's and and the surfaces are all really metally and very very um very you know, industrial kind of, feeling maybe kind of no more like medieval as i said medieval armor really wow. it's yeah it's it's amazing it's yeah. like you could just run over this with you know a, a truck a few times and it was just gonna go <laughs> I, i'm still working so I feel like it's just very, 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 very sturdy yeah. uh, piece of gear. Um, the camera itself... Which could be good or bad, depending upon what you're doing, right? I think it's... You know, I think for a kind of a setup, like a kind of a stagey type set piece, I think it's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> and and really probably the best value by far of any of the cinema cameras. Well, it is. There's no, no doubt. I mean, it does all these different uh, formats of ProRes. It's got amazing dynamic range. It's got now it's got built-in ND, so it's got a little bit more use when you're running and gunning. But I don't think it's still that type of camera. Um, and you know, it's a really amazing value. What is it like six six thousand something? Six thousand like bucks. Yeah, something like that. Five um, nine nine five. Yeah, you can't. I mean, you can't beat it. It's it's a cinema camera that has amazing dynamic range, and all these different record formats. So you do, you have to add some stuff to it to make it really functional, like batteries and CFast cards and and uh, you know things support gear and stuff like that because it's kind of on its own it's not very ergonomic, but um, still you know there's nothing close to it. There's really nothing close to it. Maybe maybe then well we'll talk about this in the next episode. But there might be some other cameras on the horizon that might start competing with it. But for for now, no, it's 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 on its own in this price class. 
So, uh, so it's it's the it's the big big guy on the block at this moment, but who knows? There there's yeah. there's stuff on the horizon that's going to be coming out. Possibly, possibly they made. St- I I think you know what's what's happening is I think some of the the bigger competition, you know, some of the more established competition like Panasonic, Sony, and Canon are kind of looking at this, saying, "Wait a second, these guys are taking cinema some of our low end indie cinema business." Because they have a camera that does all this, you know, raw recording and high-end ProRes and stuff, and we don't. Right. Let's 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 knock let's not knock Black Blackmagic off that that yeah. pedestal. And so they're going to start coming out with cameras that are starting going to start compete maybe with a with that level of under 10k cinema cameras. Yeah. Well, we'll see how Blackmagic can uh, hold up with that as, as as we see new products kind of jumping out uh, in the marketing uh, marketplace and. Um, I don't know. We'll 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 find out. I know there's still yeah. a lot of people out there who love Black Magic, so yeah. Uh, you know, maybe brand loyalty will 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 uh, uh, keep the interest high on that. <laughs> but anyway, hey, Bob Canilla, thank you so much. Keith Moreau, thank you so much. Yep. Uh, we're gonna take a break here, pause, and reset for our next interview uh, as we continue on with our coverage of NEB 2017 right here on Tech Move. Up next in our continuing coverage of NAB 2017 is, uh, I, I, I want to say the company name is Bright Tangerine. Mm-hmm. Is that is this some about correct, Keith? It is exactly correct. Fantastic. And uh, they have introduced a, uh, what's the best way to describe it? Uh, 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 an arm... I guess just an arm. It's like a really, really super powerful, strong arm. T- tell me why we need something like this. Tell, t- give me the reason why, why Bright Tangerine is going to make a fortune off this particular <laughs> product. Because most uh, arms, especially for monitors, are really suck. <laughs> yeah, and they kind of they kind of drift a little bit. It kind of it doesn't really hold the weight. Is that correct? They're just they're just not that great. And and uh, they're they're not that strong, and they also once they're tightened, that's it. You just they're either on they're they're fully tight or they're fully loose. Um, there's no kind of in between. So the thing that's kind of cool about this arm is that you can kind of tighten it halfway, and then you could still move it around. And then if you really want to tighten it so that it won't move at all, then you could tighten it further. Um, and it's just and it's really super solid and and and. In my opinion, maybe slightly heavier than it needs to be for most of the monitors that I have. But mm-hmm. maybe if you were having a twenty-pound monitor on it, it would be great. Um, but the main thing is be able to kind of move stuff around while it's semi-tight. Um, it's still got enough friction in it to hold up a fairly heavy monitor, but still, if you force it, you can uh, move it a little bit more and get kind of get in the right spot, and then you can tighten it down. So that that allows you for the the one-man band or the people that are or holding their uh, cameras with their right hand, it allows you to reposition it with your left hand, mm, kind of okay. slightly loosen it. Right. But it does; it won't like fall over if you loosen it, and then um, and then move it and then tighten it, and you can do all that with your left hand. Nice, nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and and roll this interview that we have with Clinton Harn of Bright Tangerine. It's Clinton and Keith. Right here on our coverage of NEB 2017, right there on the floor. Here we go. 
Hi, this is Keith Moreau here with Clinton Harn. He's actually representing Bright Tangerine, and I actually uh, am familiar with this product because I actually I have one of these. I don't have the tangerine colored one. I actually have the black one, <laughs> but um, I really love it. So, why don't you uh, tell me about it? Maybe give me some hints and sure. other stuff. Sure. Cool. So, hi, Keith. How are you? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for us, uh, the whole concept behind the Titan Arm was to find something that was self-supporting. Uh, you know, with the plethora of arms out on the market, we wanted to do something different. Uh, but we also wanted to make things easier. Our whole ethos is making things easier on set. The, the Bright Tangerine Titan Arm, uh, I'm happy to say I named the arm, uh, came from the need to be able to do things really quickly, but also have that sort of um, uh, robust uh, sort of quality and also the sturdiness and more importantly to support anything that you want to put on there. So we designed this arm based on a transmission sort of transmission core system. Uh, it holds two tons of metric pressure from end to end. Uh, this transmission core does not use uh, any mechanical teeth. Uh, it does not wear um, and um, it basically has that same strength as well with you get with a lot of rosette systems. So if you look on here, uh, the transmission core is a, is a refined system which basically has this ability to self-support. And what I mean by that is with most um, articulating arms, you generally will have to use one, uh, one hand or left hand and then articulate the arm any way you want and then tighten that down. The cool thing about the Titan arm is that it has uh, two locking joints and one pivot joint. So what I mean by that is that you have a locking joint at the bottom, locking joint at the middle, and then you have a pivot system on the top. What that allows you to be able to do is that uh, by using just a slight twist here on the ratchet lever, you have the ability to now actually articulate that arm anywhere you want and still have it in the same position. That's really handy when you need to be on set and adjust your monitor or any device that you mount on the arm with one hand or leaves you the other arm to do something else as well. Um, Actually, can you just do what you just did again, sure. just to show me the, the intricacies, maybe do it in a slow motion or something. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, so again, like I said, you know, um, you, can, you can completely loosen the arm, right, which gives you, like I said, the articulation, right, where it's loose. But then all you simply need to do is maybe just do a couple of very, very small minor turns, like here, to induce what we call a drag system in the transmission core. So very, you know, like subtle movement. And then now I can literally move the arm and articulate the arm any way I want and still maintain that position, okay? Uh, the difference also with this arm is that it has a protection mechanism in the arm, meaning that with most arms also, when you t over tighten those arms, you can actually thread uh, the joints or also wear the joints. Uh, what we do is we provide this system in here where I'm gonna basically now tighten the arm completely and it will not over-tighten, it will stop. And what that does also now is still provide that payload, which is eight, kilo, uh, eight kilograms worth of payload, uh, which is 16 pounds for Imperial, right? You have that strength, okay? You can see I'm literally leaning on this, right? It's fully tightened, but with the pivot joint, it allows you to still be able to articulate the monitor. So that is, again, very handy and allows you to be able to position the monitor anywhere you want. Okay, so that's the wonderful thing about that. Okay. Yeah. So in that previous uh, scenario where you have it kind of half tightened, yep. and you were able to move it around, is, yep. is this not moving, this part? No, that moves as well. This is all, yeah. it's all kind of fluid. Yes, exactly. Okay. So that transmission core allows like those. So again, the two locking joys, joints will move um, and allow you to, like I said, again, articulate this arm anywhere you want and still maintain that position. Now, on my arm, yep. what I've noticed is that 
this particular this elbow is much more is much tighter yeah. in in almost every okay. scenario than these top two. Yeah. Okay. So what that does is we have a, a device in the transmission core called a sleep system. Um, when you fold the arm up, it it, it sort of reset. You have to reset. Uh, it's a normal thing where you will undo the lever, and it takes a bit of a, a, a bit of uh, elbow grease, what I call elbow grease, just to pry it apart, and that will basically uh, open the arm. And because of the drag system, uh, it allows you to open the arm slightly. So it's it's actually perfectly normal. I think the problem with a lot of people is that uh, their understanding of articulation arms is that it's completely loose, but we induce the drag system in there to maintain that strength and that self-supporting uh, mechanism. So it's actually perfectly normal. So like I said, again, if you if you ever decide that you want to completely loosen an arm, um, you can loosen the arm completely with a ratchet lever and then just move this up and down slightly to loosen the joints. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, when I actually first got the uh, arm, I did kind of an unboxing on, on my podcast. And I was like, okay, I've got it. I'm really excited about this. And I tried to, I said, it's not moving. It's not. No, it's not coming it's, apart. It's, it's perfectly normal. It's perfectly normal. And that's like I said. It's the sleep mechanism that we, uh, the, the sleep mechanism. Uh, well, the sleep technology that we utilize in the transmission core to, to give it that self-support um, mechanism. So, so what I so what I said was just basically when it doesn't work, just force it. Pretty much with all cinematography gear, if it doesn't work the first time, just force it. Well, yes. Well, this is as a joke. The, exactly. Well, this is designed uh, specifically to where you can force anything. And uh, like I said, it, it's it's built, you know, like a tank and you won't break it. You know, to the point, even if you over loosen this section as well, um, some arms you'll shear the, the ratchet levers off. This, like I said, it just stops. You can't unloosen it or over tighten it. That's really awesome. Well, I'm really happy with my arm. And, uh, and actually, maybe after this little... Um, interview, I'm going to actually talk to Clint a little bit more about the arm and some of the things that I've, I've done to it, which I think maybe enhance it a little bit, but I'm going to do it off, off the air. <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm here again with Clinton. He's actually going to show me some of the new technology to even enhance the Tandrine uh, Titan arm. Yeah, cool. So uh, we realized there was a, a request also for um, our customers, as far as Titan arm is concerned, uh, to provide you know, sort of accessories at both ends. So that's what we're currently doing. Uh, there whole, uh, there's, like I said, a plethora of different products that we're going to come out with soon uh, that allow you to be able to adapt accessories at the end of each arm. Uh, Anti-twist functions, we understand that with arms there's always this issue of twisting. Uh, and also quick release system. So here I have uh, a little like 50mm rail uh, adapter that stays on your monitor. And it simply just mounts quick release onto the, um, onto the arm. Okay. And it's a quick release mechanism that allows you to basically do that. Okay, cool. And how about on this side? Uh, on this side, yeah, it will be fun for both sides. So it'll be both on the 3.8 side as well as the quarter 20. Uh, you can actually then uh, swap for where on both sides you can have either 3.8s, 3.8s, or a quarter 20, quarter 20, or 3.8s, one and a quarter 20. So we're making accessories. Um, on one side of the arm, there's a Loctite, which uh, it's self-serviceable, so customers can actually change and self-service and put on whatever accessories they want. By Loctite, you mean the stuff you squeeze on? No, no, no. I mean, actually, the, the, the nut that goes in there, you can actually use the Allen key and actually take it off. So you can see here, um, there's a little key there or a little nut joint. Uh, that's a Loctite. So you just undo it. And then you basically can change the whole mechanism here as well to accommodate a different accessory on there. Actually, you can see those are there as well. Yeah. So do you have an example of, of something that's uh, been switched out? We, we, haven't, we haven't brought out the accessories yet. That's, it's all been announced at NAB, and it's something that will roll out throughout the year. Okay, that's great. Thanks. Thanks, Keith. I appreciate it. This is Keith Moreau signing off for Tech Move.
Clinton Harn of Bright Tangerine. Yep. And our own Keith Moreau with Tech Move. Uh, yep. Pretty nice unit, I guess, huh? Yeah, it's I a didn't nice see unit. it. I didn't see it, but you did. So tell tell, <laughs> tell me what your thoughts were. Well, I actually have the unit, so I know. <laughs> yeah, I own it. So you so. must. So you must like it. I do like it. I've used it on a few shoots. Well, actually, quite a few. Um, and yeah, when I want to have the especially larger monitors out, um, I will set it up. One of the things that I've added to it is a. Uh, well, I don't know if they're competitors or not, but I have added a Secudo part to it, and I even cl- t- uh, told Clinton about it. The, um, the problem with all arms, no matter which how great they are, including this Titan arm, is the bottom where it screws into whatever uh, it is holding it. Like could be maybe a quarter twenty that's on the that's on the camera, or maybe on a on a stand, or most like likely on the camera. Right. They will if you if you if you un if you put a lot of leverage and force on it, they will unscrew. They will unscrew from the camera part. Oh, you know, okay, like, right, sure. Yeah. Because you're just doing with enough movement and you adjusting it here and there, it's it's bound to loosen up. At, yeah, at, at least that point. Yeah, and then you have to screw it back in, and then you have to, and then so that's that's happens to all arms, not just the the uh, right tangerine arm. They're actually they are actually working on an attachment to help with that, but they don't have it out yet. So in the meantime, I've gotten um, these. They're called Zakudo Zuds and ZUD, I think. And what they are is they're a little um, either three eighths or quarter twenty tapped, um, kind of like little um, fifteen millimeter, small, small, small short rods, like maybe an inch and a half long, or maybe an inch long, and and they're tapped uh, with a quarter twenty, and and you screw them in, and they've got another um, another part that actually kind of tightens down onto the quarter twenty that you screwed onto. So, so like for example, with this Titan iron, I would take the Zud, I would screw it onto the bottom part where I'd normally attach to the camera, and so they have the monitor on one end, and then on the other end, I screw the Zud on, and I tighten it down so it cannot be unscrewed, and then I put a uh, 15 millimeter type rod holder onto my camera, or onto wherever, and that 15 millimeter rod holder that has a little crank uh, uh, nut to, to tighten it that I can loosen or tighten, that is totally secure. Those will not unscrew. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, so that way I can do a quick release. I, I can just shove it into my camera socket that has a little 15-inch socket on it, tighten it down, and it will never, ever move. And that's kind of like the main like solution for these these arms that start unscrewing. At least at, at for this particular point, right? Yeah, that at this point. I, I mean, you could also put... You could potentially also put a... Um, uh, like a like a, a a NATO type connector, which I also use a lot, but mm-hmm. but still you have that issue of it unscrewing somehow from the the arm part that that that's the quarter twenty or the three eighths. See, that's the thing about the the Zakuda Zut is it actually locks down. So imagine a a threaded hole that has a little a little split on it, and in that split there's a tightening section, uh, a tightening nut. Mm-hmm. So so it's a little bit l- maybe slightly larger than the than the quarter twenty thread, and then you screw it on so it's it's tight in there, but you could still unscrew it if you put enough force in, right? But then you take this uh, this little um, take a little wrench and you tighten 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 down and make that quarter twenty tapped hole even smaller, totally locked into the, the thing that you screwed it into. So that's kind of how it works. So. I don't cool. know if you can imagine that, but that's 
that is a very good idea, and I have a few of those, and I'm using them for things like this. Well, I just like the fact that you're using it. You know, yeah. I just yeah. like that it's still useful. It's still something that that you you know use on on a couple of your rigs already, and yeah, uh, you know, anytime. We can get a usage of something more than a couple of times is always a, <laughs> a really fantastic thing. So. Rather than collecting dust in my drawers of unused Like your gear. GH1, exactly, your GH1. <laughs> well, that had some use back in the day. It did. It Six did. years ago. Exactly. Seven years ago. <laughs> eight years ago, whenever I got it. Oh, one thing I want to mention, Clinton Harn is yes. actually kind of famous. He's actually a cinematographer. Okay. And he's from Australia, and... Uh, he is, he used to be one of the main contributors to News Shooter, which is a really great website and blog um, that I find out a lot about all this new gear from. And and uh, so he's he's actually a really well known cinematographer, especially down there. And like he knows um, Jason Wingrove, like I'd mentioned that we'd interviewed him and and, uh, and their their buddies. And so he's he's a pretty cool guy. And he actually said he wouldn't mind being interviewed too. So maybe in the future we'll have him on. Excellent. Yeah, no. He say he sounds really great, and I'm 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 glad he was there, representing uh, Bright Tangerine. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, very good. All right, uh, we've got a couple more interviews coming up that we'd like to share with our fantastic listening audience. So uh, let's get those uh, ready to go, and we will come back with more of our coverage of NAB 2017. It is Rod and Keith right here on Tech Move. It is Tech Move's continuing coverage of NAB 2017, and we're going to move on to a very cool item that, uh, Keith, you were able to talk to some of the folks over at Small HD, and they have a nice new monitor that they're going to introduce to us. Yeah. Um, just just a little behind the scenes about actually getting to the small HD booth. So um, so one of the things about the small HD booth, and particularly this monitor, is it's a high brightness monitor, so it's meant for maybe using outdoors if you need to. And uh, that's actually pretty quite an advantage um, because most, especially older technology monitors, are kind of dim. Yeah. Um, and like I, I have a small HD, um, DP seven, I think, no DP six. And I got that a while back and, uh, you know, maybe like five years ago, six years ago, quite, quite a while back. Cause like one of the, I think it was their first monitor and it was really highly reviewed. And at that time, you know, there were, there was nothing like it that was that small. And I think I paid like $1,300 for it. And it was not cheap it has SDI inputs and all those extra things in it. But looking at it now, it's seems super, super dim. And I don't think it's just because it's, you know, older. I think it's just that technology is improved. So, but anyway, in order for Small HD to show that off, they actually had their booth outside. So I actually went to um, the, I guess the Vitek Group booth. Uh, yeah, Vitek Group, is it? Vi- uh, the What's the one that owns? Yeah, Vitek Group. They're actually uh, own, they actually own small HD. Vitek owns a bunch of companies like Manfrotto and oh other okay companies. right yeah. So when I was at the Manfrotto booth, I actually uh, asked like one of the people, "Where's the small HD booth?" I, I I thought it was maybe here since this is Vitek, and 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 the the lady said, "You know, I think it's outside, but I don't know where it is." So I was misdirected several times and eventually got got to the point where it's kind of like this parking lot that's outside, but not in the front. 
I went to the front parking lot of NAB and right. I asked people, "Where where's the Smalley Shiba? Oh, I don't know. So I went back inside. Aren't, actually there, asked, are, are, aren't there directories or maps that uh, they give you guys as far as, uh, uh, you know, where booths are, where vendors are? There's a There are places to get maps, um, but you have to go to the information booth, which is, you know, could be really far away. So um, once you get kind of get into one of the hall hall rooms, uh, you, there's really not that much information. Um, the main the main hall the main kind of entrance hall has has a information area. Okay. Um, but then that's it. So we were kind of far away from that point. Right. Um, so and then I usually have a really good computer map of the show, uh, but for some reason I couldn't log into the NAB app. Ah. At Fantastic. the show, yeah, that was really convenient. Yeah, so we just walked around for a while. It was annoying, but anyway, we we walked, eventually found it. We walked outside and and walked pretty far, like a couple blocks, and eventually found the small HD booth out. And it was really, really, really windy and sunny out there, and it was perfect for demoing that monitor. <laughs> I mean, that that that's what I was thinking. I think that the 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 whole feature set for for this thing is how it it's supposed to be really super useful in direct sunlight. Yes. Yes. And so it's, they they seem to have gotten the. I don't even know why they used a canopy uh, to. Uh, <laughs> uh, they should have just been out there in the baking sun, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and just showed off the stuff there. But I'm sure it's pretty good, huh? Yeah it 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 worked well. I think they there there was an option to like take it into the sun and check it out. But yeah, uh, yeah. Was, and then and then we met with Wes Phillips, who who we had actually interviewed two years prior. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the um, the 501 and 502, right? Which I which I purchased after that, and and this is kind of you know kind of similar in a way, but but in a way better. So um, well, yeah. I'm I'm personally very excited about this because uh, Keith, when I get my uh, A6500 <laughs> or GH5 or Polaroid camera. <laughs> Uh, I'm very interested, you know, especially for the A6500 because, you know, the, the, the screen, the LCD screen in the back, uh, has exactly two directions that it goes in. <laughs> I, I think I would need to have an, uh, you know, an external monitor of some sort. And of course, in typical Rod Louis fashion, I'm very much entertaining some $50, you know, yeah. Uh, monitor or maybe using my iPhone <laughs> or you know or maybe just a mirror <laughs> you know you something go. like that you know I mean yeah, like a little rear view mirror just, like a, one just of those... a little rear view mirror just yeah. mount a I'm going to DIY a, mm-hmm. a, a rear view mirror uh-huh. it says objects may be farther exactly it'll appear. be completely distorted it my my focusing will be completely off by it mm-hmm. but that's what I'm thinking about doing so you know I'm interested <laughs> to see what small HD uh, because I'm sure this isn't going to be my fifty dollar or hundred dollar uh, monitor that we're talking about, and uh, I'll be very excited to hear about it. Okay. All right. So anyway, here it is: uh, Wes Phillips of Small HD, along with our very own Keith Moreau, right here on our uh, continuing coverage of NEB 2017 with Tech News. Hi, this is Keith Moreau here with Tech Move. We're at the small HD booth out in the beer garden. This is out in the boonies of, of uh, the NAB Convention Center. We had to hike for miles. Um, but we're here. 
and we're here outside. And I think the reason they wanted to be outside was to demonstrate the new features of this amazing new monitor that Wes Phillips of Small HD is actually going to tell us about. So how's it going, Wes? I'm doing great. That's exactly right. People are like, why are you outside? And then they look at the monitors and they go, oh, I see. Because uh, we're basically demonstrating all daylight viewable displays right now, including this new beauty. It's a $500, 800-nit display designed for DSLRs. It comes with this specialized bracket, slots right into the hot shoe, and then gives you an additional hot shoe on the side so you're not losing the hot shoe because obviously you need a microphone or you need a light too, right? Um, and uh, it's really great. It's you know it, it basically takes the screen on the back of your display and changes it into something that you really can see in a bright outdoor environment like here in the Vegas sun. So it's kind of an exciting thing. Um, it use it's it's very powerful too. Um, it's only got one HDMI input, but all of the features in the monitor are the same as even on our high end displays. You've got very detailed waveforms, the whole pages system, the ability to load LUTs via a full-size SD card. Um, but I think the party piece of this monitor and that makes it special is the fact that you, we've got the ability to take the uh, power from the Sony L-Series battery here and pump it out of an output. And so if you have a DSLR like a Sony or a Canon or Nikon or Panasonic, We'll, we'll sell these little battery eliminators that plug into that and then plug into the battery port on the camera and you actually power the camera from the monitor. So like on a Sony A7, um, those eat batteries when they're recording 4K, you get like an hour of record time. Well, a battery on here could drive the whole thing for two and a half hours straight. So it really improves the usability of those DSLRs. Um, and so there's kind of a symbiotic relationship between this monitor and that. And for only $500, it's a very affordable display given it's you know the, the, the cheapest daylight viewable display as well. That's awesome. So that's great because now instead of getting an external battery adapter, you can just use your monitor and then power your a7 batteries, which last about five minutes, and instead put a, a Sony L series battery on the back. And you could put a gigantic one and probably power for an hour or two, right? Or maybe like three hours. Um, so I actually have a few of your monitors, and um, I, I have the uh, 502, I believe. So what's, what's the difference between that monitor that I have and this one? The 502 has SDI. Port. So, you know, again, it's kind of skews toward the professional market. The 502 also supports the SideFinder uh, EVF mount. This does not. Um, and so there's extra bits of technology that you would have to be in here that in order to get the cost lower, we kind of had to remove. And um, your, the 502 is 1080p versus 720p here. Um, it, the 502 is not touchscreen, which on our higher end displays, we tend to not do touchscreen in order to keep the fingerprints off the display. But in a more kind of consumery type product, uh, we felt like that's maybe a more acceptable interface and people are used to interacting with their phones and iPads and all that sort of stuff with uh, with the touch. So um, people seem to be you know, enjoying the experience here, um, but it is definitely skewing toward kind of a lower end feature set than the 502. But then you get the high brightness, which makes up for a lot of that. Exactly. So that, you know, technology catches up with itself. So we'll be looking at doing a 502 upgrade at some point to provide it with high brightness and things like that. So, yeah, things are moving on pretty quickly. Uh, but we are trying to, you know, pri provide a really good value in each product we come out with, um, whether it's on the high end or, or the low end like this one. That's awesome. Okay. So a couple of years ago when we interviewed Wes, um, when I look back through the interview, he mentioned that he started Small HD because he had won some contest, and, and we didn't really get into it. And I was wondering if maybe 
you want to talk a little bit about that and also if you do any filmmaking now or what your current status is in that regard. Sure, yeah. Uh, trying to make the long story short. Um, you can keep it long, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, so we, uh, we I, I grew up uh, interested in video and did a lot of like stop frame animation and stuff like that on whiteboards with my brother when I was like 10. And then uh, eventually uh, we uh, started um, doing video enough to where my, my dad invested in us and we got, we got computer that would do it. This was before IMAX existed, so it was kind of a big investment for him, but we just loved it and dug into it and uh, got really pretty good at post-production stuff and then eventually started wanting to learn how to do production, like how to light things, how to make things look, you know, legit. And um, very shortly after, we sort of launched a little company to start doing local ads to sort of kind of get our feet wet in that. Uh, we found a contest. It was the very first Doritos Super Bowl contest called Crash the Super Bowl. And with four days left uh, till the submission deadline, we decided to enter. So we thought of an idea and shot and edited and submitted uh, an ad to that contest uh, in those four days. And um, Well, just what did you shoot it on? How did you record it? Lenses? So that was, uh, we shot it on a JVC HD 100, I think is what it was called. It used the HDV codec 720p recording to, to tape. Um, and uh, we actually, to make it look better, we used a 35 millimeter adapter lens because this was before the DSLR rev revolution where you could get big sensors and you know all that really great depth of field without having to jump through a bunch of hoops. Um, yeah, so the quality was pretty crappy on the codec um, <laughs> that aired in the Super Bowl. It was probably the worst that you'd have in a Super Bowl ad. Um, but that said, uh, people resonated with the ad. It scored number four in the ad meter out of all of the other 60 ads that played that day. So it was a pretty popular um, ad. And that sort of shot us forward. We didn't have to make any more sales calls about doing uh, you know, sales uh, to actually do production. And so as we were upping our production value, we realized that we needed a monitor because we were shooting with these 35 millimeter adapters that had shallow depth of field. So we needed something HD to focus with. And um, we were also recording to a computer um, like a lot of these onboard recorders do, but it was a full size machine back then. And uh, we were looking for a monitor that could handle both those things. And, and literally nothing existed that was actually an HD resol resolution, even though we knew the panels existed and other technologies like netbooks. So we started tinkering, you know, tr started trying to put that technology together, mainly just for our own use, and then realized that there was a pretty big market out there for that. Um, and so by winning that contest, it kind of shot us down that road. And then after we had launched our, our first product and we were kind of developing our second product, which was the DP6, we, uh, we realized uh, that there was another contest going on and, and we actually entered that. We submitted, this is the craziest thing, we submitted two ads under two different names so that Doritos wouldn't have as much of a clue. And they selected both of them for the finalists of the top six. So two of our ads were in the top six and we ended up winning one of those ads and we ended up with a cash prize from that. And we used that cash to fund the inventory buy on the DP6, which was like really the big product that sort of entered this market and uh, sort of changed the game. Most of the other companies that make monitors created a product that looked just like the DP6 and, and had the sim similar UI and all that sort of stuff. So it was kind of cool to be a little basement shop that like, kind of changed the industry here a little bit uh, from price point resolution and, and, and capability of the monitor. So do you do any filmmaking now? Um, 
here and there. It's not as much as I'd like to. I really enjoyed the experience of just like the Doritos ads because it was really just kind of do whatever you want as long as Doritos was involved somehow. I like that kind of thing, that sort of creative freedom. Every once in a while we do something uh, in the office. A couple years ago we did a like, sort of a Wes Anderson spoof with our DP7 and I really enjoyed doing that. Um, so I, I do it as much as I can, but it's really not as regularly as I'd like. <laughs> and when you do stuff, what do you shoot it with? Um, and what monitor do you use? <laughs> <laughs> the monitor answer is easy. Uh, I think, you know, um, the camera varies. You know, uh, we've shot on things that, that range. We've shot on F35, like an old F35, down to a, a pocket cam from Blackmagic. But um, I really like the Sony A-series cameras right now. They just, you know, they're, they're, they're really crushing it from an image quality standpoint. But they do need a little help on the battery life, and that's why we came out with this guy. Great tie-in. <laughs> Well, I think we've taken enough of your time. I really appreciate the backstory. And uh, this monitor looks awesome. I think I'm going to order one. By the way, if I want to order it, can I order it now? Um, it will be available for pre-order in the next week or so. But go to our website, um, and you can sign up. And we'll send you an email when the pre-order opens up. The official ship time is June. We're trying to push for earlier than that. But uh, we'll keep you posted. OK. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks again, Keith. Keith Murrow here for Tech Move, signing off from the Small HD booth. That's Wes Phillips from Small HD, along with Keith Murrow from Tech Move. I am Rod Louie in our continuing coverage mm -hmm. of NAB 2017. Small HD, very, very impressive, Keith. Um, Home I, run. I, I mean, I it's really got me thinking, and I don't like to think that hard. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, uh, this is this is gonna. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. A good monitor can actually, believe it or not, a good monitor can make you a better cinematographer. I'm afraid that I might have to agree with you on that. Yeah. I, I I mean, just by what you know, Wes is talking about and, and some of the other things that I've researched about it versus like my $50 one that I thought about buying and stuff like that. You can do so much with this unit that, uh, I mean, you would be wanting nothing else but but just this just this item. You, what you, I, I think you can add LUTs to it and stuff. What, what do you call it? LUTs? LUTs? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you can, you can add LUTs. You, you can add to that. Uh, you can you can power you can power a uh, camera like especially a A sixty five hundred using the monitor itself uh, by putting on one of those huge Sony batteries on it. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of neat stuff on it. Uh, plus, it has this really nice arm on it where you can put, you know, you can put external microphone on it and all this kind of thing. And 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 the arm works really well with swiveling and you know, so you can do uh, vlogging type of uh, uh, content making, all kinds of neat stuff. Yeah, it's it's actually it's a home run. It's gonna sell. It's gonna outsell all their other products. It's gonna it's back ordered. I mean, there's tons of tons of orders out there. I actually ordered two of them um, because I want to have one on, well, I do a lot of three camera shoots. I already, I already have a 50, 501, which is really similar to this, but uh, probably not as good in some ways. Um, I think the only difference, the only appreciable difference, and I don't know, you know it's a, a, an advantage or disadvantage, is this doesn't have a, like a little joystick on it, the, the focus, and the 501s and 502s have a little joystick on them. 
so you don't have to touch the screen to get around. But actually, I kind of feel like touching the screen is better in a way because it's more direct and fast. Well, it, it, well, and and this thing is total touch screen, right? Yeah, Where, it is. It that's all it is. That's the interface. It's the touch screen. You can't do anything else other than touch the screen and, right. and power it on and off. So um, I think I don't think there's any buttons on it, um, but. But it's other than that, I think probably it's it's the screen size is similar to the 501s and 502s. It's five inch, which those are as well. Um, the battery powering other devices, as you mentioned, is pretty darn cool. So um, uh, I I particularly like that because all the kind of like rig setups that I've seen for a 6500 and and even GH5 are using a lot of those external battery banks. Yeah, you know and. They have to if you do any long shoots. Right. And yeah. if you've got this thing, you know, that's one more piece eliminated right there, you know? It is. Like, I bought this kind of expensive Atomos um, power station. Actually, to have Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it kind of does the same thing, except it's this big, bulky thing about the same size as my A7s. And it'll last forever, and it's got a lot of amazing features, but I don't need that now if I have one of these monitors. Right. <laughs> So right. I don't have to bring that extra thing along now. Yeah. Because isn't your Atomos thing, isn't it, a, uh, can we say, a little bit bigger in size? Than what, this monitor? Yeah. It's a, it's probably bigger. Yeah, it's definitely thicker. You know, it's you can put two gigantic Sony L batteries on it. Right. And, and, uh, and then it's got um, indicators on it. And, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely... It, it's if you if you measure the cubic volume of it, it's definitely bigger than this monitor. Yeah. Um. Plus, it's not you don't get the monitor too. So you here True. you get the monitor right. and you get power source, um, and you get a nice little um swivelly um probably better than a typical um typical um, ball head. Right. The 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 arm looks very impressive. It looks like you can also hang other stuff on it too. Yeah. You could put a um a little shock mount a microphone on the side if you want or other stuff. You could probably put you know, whatever you want on the side. Right. Um, and it's, and the, the way that it's designed, you know, ball heads are kind of like move all around in all directions. So they don't really stay straight up and down. Um, when you loosen them, it's kind of up to you to get them oriented back. Mm -hmm. This, this is kind of a cool design because the, the tilt, it tilts just, uh, it tilts. it's kind of like a, like a, like a, like a little tripod, um, you know, like a pan head on, yeah. on a camera. Yeah. So it, you can't really roll, you can't roll it. Like you can't change the roll, which you don't want to change the roll anyway on a monitor. You always want it to be level. So, um, so it's pretty amazing design. Yeah, you know, it's like all all ball heads should be like this instead of uh, the way they are. Um, it it makes you have to mount it from the edge to do that. But um, yeah, awesome. What what did, what did you what did you think of it? You saw it live and in person, direct yeah. sunlight. What 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 yeah. did you think of that? I was outside. It was. It was totally visible, way more visible than any, you know, iPhone or any other type of tablet device that you might you might uh, use. Um, still looked good, you know. D the the high brightness didn't sacrifice the way it looked. It still uh -huh. looked really nice. So totally um, useful for fine focusing. I th I think it does. I think it does punch focusing too. I believe. Oh oh yeah, it's got super capable punching. It's really similar to the five hundred one in that way. It's you can zoom in. I think eight times, which is good enough for any kind of focus yeah um, really critical 4k focus yeah so just no-brainer bought two of them or ordered two of them i also got the um the kit that comes with it uh the, the battery extension or battery dummy battery replacement kit okay so you can buy 
you don't have to get anything. If you get the regular monitor, it's like 500 bucks. But if you want to uh, put a dummy battery into your camera, um, then I think that part is like 40 bucks. It just it's like a cable that goes from the small HD into the battery compartment of your of your A7 or whatever camera you have. And I think it's the same battery for your for your possible A6500. Mm -hmm. um, and because I'm not sure, maybe the A6500 can be powered by USB only, but I don't think the A7 can be powered by USB only. I I believe that the 6500 can be powered by USB. Okay, then you then if you got that camera, then you probably wouldn't need anything extra. But I think I needed it for my A7500. Mm -hmm. I think I think the USB maybe it assists the internal battery, but like maybe makes it last longer. But I don't uh -huh. think it can completely re replace it. So, um, but with a dummy battery, um, putting it in place of the battery, uh, it'll last as long as that L, the gigantic L battery right. lasts on your on your monitor. Right. So, yeah, no brainer. And I just, I guess, I just want to talk a little just about kind of good monitors in general, because I said that it can make you a better cinematographer. Sure. Um, and I think, I, I, I mean, obviously, focus is really important. And being able to punch in and focus is is key for getting good shots. Um, you can kind of do that with your camera, though, right? It's not it's not something that like if you didn't have this, you wouldn't be able to focus, right? Right. It just makes it a little bit easier. Yep. Um, but the thing that um, I think is really, really, really helpful for is is exposure um, and and tonal balance, um, especially with the false color and the waveform controls, but a lot of it's the false color. You can use the false color to really see how your how your image is is going to be, you know, like how how well exposed different parts of the image are. Like if you want that person, the side of that person's face to be underexposed, well, the false color will tell you. Your eyes won't fool you. Just look, switch over to the false color exposure screen, and it'll say, oh, okay, that that side of their face is like a little bit dark, but that, I kind of like that. And this side is a little maybe a little overexposed, but that is okay but the main part of their face is right in there right in that green kind of level um the way that false color works is different it, it, it's kind of like a posterized version of the image so different colors have different um exposure levels mm -hmm. so like green is usually like 50 percent and yellow is like 90 percent and um and gray is is gray or blue is like 20 percent so if you see a lot of yellow in your in your image on the false color, you're probably overexposing everything. <laughs> mm -hmm. right. If you see a lot of ye yellow in somebody's face, they're probably overexposed, and you're and you're going to lose detail in in their face. Um, so that's just an example. But it's just having experience at looking at those false colors and then looking at the real image that you see it in front of you and comparing that and having a lot of practice doing that and and over and over and over, it's going to make you a better cinematographer. I would imagine, and uh, it it just seems like the uh, uh, the small HD focus w uh, just is so accurate. You know, I mean, like you know, a lot of these cheaper monitors they say, "Oh, colors are great," and you know, they all work pretty well and and stuff like that for the money. But I think that with just uh, the 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 level of detail that the focus can put out. I think is is the thing that's gonna make a difference at least for even someone like myself. Yeah, yeah. I, a, lot, I think, a lot of big features. I mean, just I mean, just so many that you know when I'm looking at the cheap ones, and I'm saying, well, okay, it's good. I I guess it's just an external monitor, and really that's it. But 
this focus thing, this it, it can do that and it's almost as if the monitors uh, uh, is the secondary thing, right? I mean, the brightness is an added bonus. The the power pack is is an added bonus. The the being able to uh, uh, do all the things you just spoke about those are just huge. Yeah, it's it's they're going to sell a lot. Yeah. <laughs> sell what, a what, lot when are you what, when are you expecting yours to arrive? Um last I heard it was pretty soon like well it's it, right now it's towards the end of June. Yeah. When we're recording this, so it was supposed to be shipping now. So Okay. Yeah, so I'll let you know when I get it. I'll, yeah. I'll bring I can bring it by and show you. I I I mean th- I think that would be fabulous. Uh uh I I think that'll be, I think it's going to be just terrific. I'm I'm excited to well, first I gotta get camera first, but uh, <laughs> but, but then that'll be you know one of the next things that I that I pick up. So that'll be fantastic. All right, uh, great. Hey, that's Wes Phillips from Small HD uh, talking about the Small HD Focus. Uh, Keith, fantastic. I'm glad that uh, you didn't have to uh, uh, lay out like a popcorn trail. <laughs> uh, to have to be found after uh, looking for the the booth there, so I, I'm glad you you found it without any incident. So <laughs> thank you. Thank it, was, you. it was hot enough to pop popcorn out there. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, and what's great about that product is that that that's what sells the product, right? Is that extreme light and all this kind of stuff. But those poor guys. I mean, poor Wes. He must be. Uh, Gee whiz, can we get at least a cooler in here or something? <laughs> Poor guy. Anyway, all right. That's a small HD. The product is Focus, and uh, we are tech moving. We're going to come back and we're going to share another interview uh, in our continuing coverage of NEB 2017. We'll be right back. Keith, you won't believe it, but we're down to our final interview of NEB 2017. And uh, it has been so far a terrific ride, mm-hmm. a lot of nice products, even though, you know, really nothing earth shattering, but still, uh, you know, a good amount of stuff uh, that's coming out. And, and, I, and I think this uh, for our final interview, uh, uh, certainly uh, a, a lot of great things happening here. Mm-hmm. And uh, specifically, we're going to be talking to uh, the fine folks over at Hoodman mm-hmm. and uh, a person that we've talked to before, Mr. Bob Schmidt, yep. uh, was good enough to share a little bit of time with you. Uh, why don't you talk about uh, Bob and the Hoodman folks over there? Well, um, Bob Bob and I have struck up kind of a uh, semi-humorous friendship. Um, he's, I think he's kind of like a comedian in training or something. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Uh, so I humor him by, by, you know, going along with his, his act. No, not really. I, he's a nice person. He's very funny. Uh, he's their brother. Uh, I think like the, the Hoodman guys are like brothers. At least there's at least a couple of brothers in there. And so they have all have this kind of rapport with each other. And, uh, and <laughs> they were like, we had this super long interview and we're talking, joking around and, and doing all this weird stuff. And they're kind of like, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, yeah, they're right. kind of looking at us and, and, but we just kept going. And, uh, but Bob, Bob, uh, was showing off one of the new products. They have a, they have a kind of a cool new product that they came out with. Um, and another thing is, um, one of the things that we didn't see there was the Hoodman dome. So normally they have this kind of like a big tent, like a big, like a bouncy house. Right. That, that's, that's the Hoodman, uh, kind of logo. And it wasn't there this year, and we talk a little bit, a little bit about why it wasn't there. 
Well, and it's very red. <laughs> the, the, yes. the, the, they're they're whole, folks. You got to get on the uh, uh, on YouTube and, and and take a look at how red it is. I mean, it's. I, I'm looking at a still of it right now, and it's actually blurring my eyes right now. It's so red. <laughs> yes, it's just saturated the red channel. Right. It's just. <laughs> it's just. You know. I mean, that red. Just, So, anyway. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, uh, uh, let's roll this, shall we, okay. Keith? Uh, this is it. Bob Schmidt of Hoodman and our very own Keith Moreau. And it is NEB 2017 right here on Tech Move. Keith Moreau here from Tech Move Podcast. Hey, Keith Moreau. Keith. <laughs> and we've got Bob Schmidt here of Hoodman. And we actually, you may remember from the... Uh, famous or infamous interview of last year at NAB, we interviewed Bob and we, and we actually, there was something behind us that was, that was kind of a landmark to the, uh, the Hoodman brand. And we notice now, and you can pan over just a little bit to their booth, you can notice that there's no, there's no, uh, what is it called? It's called the Hoodman Dome. And he is a 20 by 20 character that reaches heights of 20 feet. But he's been banned from the NAB show. Why, we don't know. We feel as though they wanted us to go into a linear fashion with this 20 by 10 booth. You know, I actually heard that... that funny. Sorry. <laughs> I actually heard that the, Hood, the Hoodman Dome has been cited by NORAD over the northwest coast. I think it's Hoodman is teaming up with Mothra. <laughs> they have about the same mass Mothra... The, the floating hood man, they've been seen over the California desert as well on their way out to the coast. So, you know, we were looking, when we were actually looking for, the, for Hoodman, because we, we seek you out every show now. You do what out? We seek you out. We seek you out on every show. We're pretty much stalking you. No, no, no. I think it's something when you came up to me for that second time, I was a little shocked. I was a little confused, but I realized who it was. You were my friends. You were friends of another cause for the Hoodman loss of our dome and getting moved back into the deeper cavernous areas of this trade show floor, Keith. So, Bob, when are we going to see the Hoodman dome again? I believe he will come out of, he's actually in, uh, there was an intervention and we had a little bit, I didn't really want to say that in the beginning because I felt that, you know, but I know my fans and my people and your people will want to know really what happened. We found him in a home in Palmdale, California, and he had a lot of some things around him. I don't yeah, know paraphernalia. 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 <laughs> and he went immediately to the rescue center in Malibu, California, where he spent the last two months at the you, cost of $200,000. Sorry. Yeah, you can, Hoodman Dome can only consume pure air. No helium, no nitrogen, just pure air. I think, yes. And I think that's partly due to his otherworldly type of existence. But what we found, though, after 10 solid years of NAB, he just reached a point at which he completely maxed out. He melted down. He gave up and basically threw it all out the window and moved to Palmdale. We think he moved to Palmdale. We're not sure. That's where the interventionist said it was going to be happening. So, yeah. Okay, well, 
I think we've concluded the episode of what happened to Mr. Hoodman Dome. And now we're actually going to talk about the Hoodman products. So what's the most exciting product out here in your booth today? And like, what can I buy right now that I'm just going to be so happy about? I think as we sit here, our Hoodman launch pad, which is basically, it became something that all of a sudden when the dome left, the Hoodman launch pads appeared. Clear an area to set down your launch pad. Have a safe, dirt dust-free environment to lift off from. It's nice to know your motors and everything around your drone won't get dusted, your camera. So it's a really cool product. Launch pad, three foot, five foot, eight foot, 60, 100, 300. Uh, oh, okay, so it's a collapsible disc that you lay down and I then- show you. Show us, we, please. Yeah, let's do it. Over. Oh, it disappeared. Okay, the launch pad. This is a three-footer. Around the perimeter is weight. Are we still doing all right? Okay, perfect. The weight holds it in place. Ah, easy. Look at you. I'm, oh, you're strong. I'm Mr. Hoodman. I'm a Hoodman hatchling. This very thin but very weighted but very durable piece of gear. And this is what's going to give you that safe takeoff and landing and a reference point. So when you're up in your drone, you can see down and see this most unnatural color on the planet as your reference point. And this baby also collapses down into a very small circle, which I think I'll try to do it right in the air. Can't believe I just did that. I had some Keith energy there when that happened. Can I try that? Sure. You ready? Watch it, it'll, it'll ruin your sexual. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> All, right, All right, there we go. There, yeah, 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 yes, yes. You are a seasoned veteran, Keith. Yes, it comes from years of folding up uh, you know reflectors, et cetera. That's right. That's right. Same kind of technology, weighted three, five, and eight footers. It's really an exciting product. So that's that. This is really cool. So who, who thought of this? You know, it was actually feedback from some of the customers that came through when we started with our original sunshades, okay? The sunshades are for your displays. We'll talk about those. But people came in and said, hey, you know, I'm tired of landing on dirt and dust and getting my aircraft dusted. So we thought, why don't we come up with something for these folks? Came up with this weighted design, and that basically was it about a year and a half ago. So That's really cool. So what does this cost? This one is six, $60. And that's the three-footer. The five-footer is 100 Eight-footer is $399. Eight-footer is for like an eight-bladed monster. Yeah, it's a big boy. What's this? What wind is this rated at? Wow, good question, Keith. The wind rating, I don't really have one specifically. All I know is this. It's never been flipped over. It's never been lifted up. We've had Inspires come over it and other size sizable drones doesn't even move because we're holding down the perimeter with weight so probably anything any wind condition you'd fly a drone in this can this will stay on the ground right put it yeah like you said yeah if you can't fly yeah exactly you put it in the right perspective that's it so yeah this will hold up to anything i shouldn't say anything but yeah you wouldn't want to fly if it gets crazier than that yeah <laughs> low blood sugar sorry 
That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> it's starting uh, to melt down right now. No, it's, no, it's good because um, it's also kind of protects from from not only from dust but from moisture, like if you're on grass. Yeah. Big, big point. I mean, a lot of times you're in a grass field where there's maybe six or seven inches of grass or whatever, wet. Once again, you take off from that, it flutters all around the wetness and just coats your lens, and it, it's a nightmare. So, yeah, gives you a nice kind of area to take off from without having any difficulty. And can you put this in the washing machine? You know, not really, no. I would say I was, I was actually just kidding. Troublemaker. But you, you bring up a good point. It's simple water or soap and water. It's PVC coated nylon, so it's very durable. And most of the time, you can just take it off with a little bit of soap and water. Very simple. No harsh chemicals, please. No Palmdale, all right? What's that? Palmdale. Yeah. All right. What? What's that? What's Palmdale? That's where Hoodman uh, is right now. <laughs> I'm trying to pull it all together. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a callback. It's. A, I think Bob was a, Were you actually a stand-up comedian in your last life? I wanted to be one, though. I was stand-up comedian for about five minutes. <laughs> Your first. Time. I was, I was, I was uh, very familiar with the red light flashing while I was on stage. Was your time? Yeah. That's when they want you to get off stage because you're so bad. Exactly. I haven't had enough hood spa to do that. I have not. So I, I, yeah. Oh yeah. That's very cool. Hood spa. Yeah. I well, you know. I haven't tried that yet, but I thought you know it'd be kind of fun. I think you should do it. I think you're a natural. I think I could feel it. Yeah. I think you should just. Just go in there, you know, maybe bring the dome with you for support. Oh, my God. You know, it could be a mini dome, maybe. Maybe little baby domes. Maybe we should do that. Maybe I think so. Just populate the trade show floor with little 10-foot hoodmans all over the place, sprinkled. What do you think? I think that's it. You know what? I, here's a great marketing yeah. scheme. I just thought of this. Yeah. Get one of the big ones. Yeah. Just make a big scene. Go into somebody else's booth. Set it out. Yeah. Fling yeah. it over yeah. their booth. Yeah. 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 And, then, and then have the dome land on it. You know, if we could combine those and orchestrate that, that might not be a bad idea. I like it. You heard it here first. You're, you're inspired by our customer suggestions. So. Give you, see, you give me ideas, I, I act on them. You know, I'm just a facilitator. I'm a conduit of comedy. <laughs> okay, anything else you want, that you're excited about? I'm excited about the drone belt, okay? We introduced this last year, so you showed that piece, but we have an addition to it. Watch yourself. Part of the drone belt is this little gem of a piece, that the bracket. So now no one makes a bracket like this ever anywhere for DJI or other flyers. We have this product, but it holds it in place. And you see this little piece here. This is a Manfrotto tripod quick release. I have 3,000 of them. You know these. Yeah, it's a natural. There's a quarter 20 threaded screw slot in here so now you can tag that in and you can put this on to hold your monitor in place wherever and people i had a it's not my idea this is a woman up in toronto canada she says bob i love your drone bet but i don't really i don't want to put something on because you you know that's that's fine and she goes i said what do you want to do she says i want to put it on a tripod i said no problem that's how this was born so i ripped somebody off again it's great no that, unique ideas. Uh, and she's getting royalties? Absolutely. She's, she's getting, in Canada, though, so it ain't going to happen. The, the legal Contractually, just, we have no, like, she has no remedy, no coming at me. No, nobody can sue you for five cents per. Worry about other people. 
No, I'm just kidding. That's actually awesome. I, I want to get that. I want to get that. I think you should. I think it's a piece that's convenient. It's excellent. It pops on to your tripod. Or people can buy two or three of them, keep them on their carts, so they're constantly within reach, but not getting knocked over or laying in the dirt or sand. I mean, it's just, yeah. These are all inspired from people's stories that tell me. And I listen. Because the ego is in check, my friend. I'm already completely, like, independently rich anyway. So it doesn't I, we do that. I do that for fun. I know. It's, all, it's, all, it's all for fun. The, the, all the launch pad. Back. giving back. Okay, I think I think we've used up our memory in our iPad at this point, so I think it's time to sign off. But this has been—I'm going to have to take a little nap after this interview. Um, thank you so much, Bob. Keith, it's been a pleasure. Nice to see you, and I'll keep you updated on Hoodman's progress through this time of need. <laughs> Keith Moreau signing off for Techno. Well, that's Bob Schmidt. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I love Bob. You know, he's, he's yeah. what a terrific guest. Yes. Uh, what a terrific com uh, uh, company, the Hoodman folks over there. Uh, Bob, thanks so much. And uh, all of our guests that we've had here uh, today have uh, really made the show really terrific. And, of course, to the uh, uh, great skills of Keith Moreau. Keith, your <laughs> thoughts about Hoodman and any, oh, Hood uh, any shots there? I love I love Hoodman because they're kind of like a they're kind of like a bootstrap company. You know, they're yep. not like a big corporation that has thousands of employees worldwide. They're just like five guys. Yeah, and but they have this presence. You know, I mean, I've used Hoodman stuff for years and years, like twenty something years ago. I got my first little Hoodman. Uh, sun visor, you know, that, that went over my, my LCD on one of my camcorders so I could see outside. Of course, I don't need any more because I'm going to get the small HD focus. But, <laughs> <laughs> but back in the day, no, um, I, I have a whole drawer full of these different Hoodman sun shields. Um, don't use them as much anymore, but they, they're always coming out with new products that are very helpful. One of them is really cool and kind of applicable for me. It's called the Launchpad, which he talks about. And basically, it's kind of like a weighted, uh, weighted uh, fabric pop-up, pop-out disc that has kind of a weight around the edges that stays on the ground and allows you to have a target for your drone yep. and also protect the drone from the ground. Yeah, And that's actually something that's kind of in a way kind of useful because a lot of time you're you're taking a drone out into the wild and you don't want your drone necessarily to get all messy yeah you know and right. and uh like a lot of times i find i have to kind of like wipe off the bottom of my drone afterwards <laughs> and after I'm well done. that's usually from crashing it into people <laughs> oh yeah that's true you have to spray <laughs> off the blood, all the blood off. yeah <laughs> oh yeah that's true yeah. well i'm not sure if the hoodman dome would i mean hoodman uh launch pad would protect well, I could give it to my, the people that are around us. Right. As shields. Yeah. <laughs> so we have another use for it. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, so they're always coming up with innovative products, and I really love Bob, and we'll probably just you know continue to do these comedy routines every time we're at the shows. That's terrific. I always lo I love uh, a, a, a good comedy routine. It's always <laughs> terrific, and Bob's a great sport, and um, thank you very much, Bob, and the... Uh, Folks over at Hoodman. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know what, uh, Keith? Let us uh, uh, close this segment, and we'll come back and get some final thoughts on a uh, NAB 2017.
Okay. And uh, we will come right back and close out uh, this show. And we'll be right back with more tech news. I can't believe it, Keith, but mm-hmm. another NAB show uh, off in the horizon. It's over. It's over. It's, it's, it's over. It's, it's done. 2017 has come and go. It's been a fun time. It's been an exciting time. It was the uh, best of times. It was the worst of times. Right. Especially right. when I got the names of the people I interviewed wrong. <laughs> but then I got it right. Well, yeah, af- after they after tell they, you, which is awesome. they tell me the, what right, name. Yeah. Right, right. My, my name's actually Bob. By the way, Rodney, I want to congratulate you and us. Thank you. On a milestone. Thank you. You don't know what I'm going to say. No, I don't, but I'm going to ta- I'm gonna, I'm gonna accept congratulations no matter what. So by the time this episode is out... <laughs> NAB 2019 will be, uh, will be in the books, right? Well, that's, that's true, too. But... Another great milestone in podcasting history. Go ahead. Techmoo's five-year anniversary. Get out of here. Are you serious? Yes. Our first episode was July 7th, 2012. Get out of here. It's been five years of Techmove? It's been five years of Techmove on the air. It's probably about six moves of, of, of us doing... T- <laughs> six years of us doing Techmove, but five years of the public knowing about Techmove. <laughs> One year was spent just trying to figure out how to press record and play at the same time. Yeah, pretty much. That was but it. we finally got one after a year of trying. We got one out on July 7th, 2012. Five years. Well, you know what? Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to you, too. It's I, been an amazing five years. It's been an amazing five years, and we've uh, we've uh, experienced a great deal of success and riches <laughs> and accolades <laughs> Uh, and you know what? I, I have to thank our listening audience, the entire tech move universe. Uh, I want to take this moment to thank all of our, uh, listeners out there who can been we thank sp- the, can we thank the Academy? We can thank the Academy. <laughs> I would, uh, also like to, uh, thank the accounting firm of Louie, Louie and Louie. For their nomination of us uh, for this prestigious award, but Keith, really, thank you. It's been a it's been a wonderful five years. It has been, and uh, not only would I know uh, I've learned so much from you, but I have also learned how to spend more money <laughs> on a hobby that is completely uh, uh, price prohibitive. Uh, for me so thank you for everything that you introduced me to it is my pleasure rodney it's been such an amazing uh experience i've uh enjoyed and look forward to every episode we do i uh you know i I do want to really be serious and and thank the listening audience who keith correct me if i'm wrong they really come from all over the world is that correct yeah yeah they do they come from uh two different places in the world Right, no, fantastic. <laughs> like, I, like I, the San, like two cities within the San Francisco barrier of me and you. <laughs> it's the world. It's right. all over As, the hey, world. It's the world. We're worldwide. Come on now. <laughs> you know, I've listened to us uh, when I've traveled, so I'm going to say that uh, it's we're, we're, we're worldwide. Yeah, I listen yeah. to I listen to myself on the plane. When I'm when I'm traveling, I you know. nudge the the person next to me. And say, hey, you want to listen to me on a podcast? Here, 
Put put my in-ear headphones into your ears, my disgusting ear, pa- ear pods. Put them in your ears and listen to me. Worldwide. Worldwide. Well, you know, five years, you know, who would have thought? <laughs> I got, you know what it just flashed in my head? Keith, it's been five years and we're only at episode, what is this, 37, 38, something like that? That's around there. That's around there, yeah. So Holy what, mackerel. Five, five divided by 36. <laughs> well, it's not terrible. It's like seven episodes a year. It's not terrible. Uh, I mean, it could be one episode a year. Hey, we, we, get, we give you a bang for the buck, ladies and gentlemen, right? We're, we're, we're not one of those 15-minute, half-hour, one-hour podcasts. We'll give you the whole kitchen sink when we, when we finally put one out. And actually, we actually missed a whole year. <laughs> we didn't even record for a whole <laughs> That's year. That's true. So... <laughs> So don't even count that That, one. That's true. That's right. Well, then happy fourth year anniversary then. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a great ride. It's it's been fantastic. Thank you so much for all the support. Uh, You know, we we, we couldn't have done it without you. And, you know, and in fact, Keith, before we uh, we do our sign off, let's share with the people how they can uh, get hold of us and uh, either talk to us or help support us. Uh, of course, you can find us at our website, which is techmovepodcast.com. Mm-hmm. And there's a fantastic uh, uh, link that we have, and we'd appreciate a little bit of uh, support for us. And you do that uh, as one of the, what I think they call it the Amazon affiliate sites. Is that correct? Yeah, it's just a link that puts a little cookie and allows you to... Um, buy stuff in Amazon and it gives us a little kickback. Right, and it yeah. and it helps keep this thing on the air for free and for five years. For five. <laughs> for another five years. For another five years. We've uh, done five. Let's do another five. Uh, another five years of this gloriousness <laughs> known as Tech Move. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Look for us at Tech Move Podcast. Twitter is up there at Tech Move Podcast. And we're available on a, a, a couple other platforms like Stitcher and Player FM. And mm-hmm. all you got to do with those guys is look for Tech Move. What have I missed? Um, if you want to support us in a way where you can just give us money every month, it can be a small amount or it can be a huge amount. We prefer huge amounts. Yes, we do. Um, you can go to patreon.com slash techmovepodcast. And uh, you can actually... Uh, sign up for a subscription to Tech Move Podcast. You don't get anything extra. You just get the pride of being able to contribute. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, what, we, what we'd like to do is we'd like to offer uh, that if you do uh, support us in that way, we might uh, announce your initials over the air. Oh, not, not, good... not really a full name, but your initials, because we know that you uh, pride yourselves uh, on privacy, I wouldn't want to violate that uh, that type of privacy, and I'll just announce your initials. So, anyway, actually, how about this? Why don't we have a tiered support? So, if it's like ten dollars a month, right? That's just the first letter of their first name, <laughs> and then if it's twenty dollars a month, it's both initials, first and last name. Thirty dollars will include their middle name initial. <laughs> 
<laughs> let, let, you know what? Let's let's just let's not call it tiered. We'll just call it a pyramid scheme. How about that? <laughs> okay. Or a Ponzi scheme. Let's Ponzi. try that one there, too. There you go. Ponzi scheme right here on Tech Move. Well, uh, but anyway, hey, uh, again, thanks a lot, ladies and gentlemen, for uh, giving us a listen. Uh, remember that always, uh, you can always pick us up. Uh, on iTunes as well, and give us a review. We haven't heard of a re- review in a in a little while, and mm-hmm. you know we, we we think you're not listening to us, which most likely <laughs> is really the case. But nonetheless, we still want you make something up, will you? And uh, and give us a review. We love to hear from you, Keith. Um, I think that's going to do it for uh, do it. NAB 2017. It has been fun. It's been real. And I think most likely our next episode, we will find Keith Moreau at Cinegear 2017. Might that be correct? That is correct. All right. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's what you have to look forward to is Cinegear 2017. But for right now, it has been the immortal Rod Louie <laughs> and the very lovely and attractive Keith Moreau. <laughs> We want to thank you so much for joining us on our what has turned out to be our five-year anniversary and our continuing coverage of NAB 2017. Thanks so much for being with us. We really appreciate it, and we thank you so much for giving us a listen. This is us right here from Tech Move, and we'll see you in our next episode. <laughs>